0: Alderman Burnett,
1: Burnett, every time you speak, I feel incredibly emotional. Um, You always make me on the verge of tears um, because of what a good person you are.
0: Okay, that's enough. How's it going, everybody?
2: (laughs) You are so beautiful to me. I'm sorry, just whenever I hear that one, that exchange. A lot of love between Alderman Walter Burnett and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I'd like to point out, as I pointed out yesterday, with the interview with uh, Mr. City Council, Mr. Bike, Dave Glowatz, and Monroe Anderson, who's uh, on deck, will appreciate this. If you're an Alderman and you feel compelled, as Walter Burnett did, to thank the people in the universe or the things in the universe for your good fortunes, Thank God first and the mayor second. I think that's a proper order, right, Monroe? Walter got it. Could you imagine if he screwed up and go, I want to thank, first of all, Mayor Lori Lightfoot first and God second? I mean, the, I mean come the, on.
3: Bert, Bert, Bert. Burnett is another one of my doings. Well, we'll get into that. My a, got...
0: <laughs> oh, my Lord. Check out that audio from yesterday's show with one, oh, the one, the only, Dave Glowett. Yeah.
3: God's ego can take it better than the mayor.
0: Mayor, yeah. <laughs> it's <true>. at <laughs> chicagoreader.com or wherever you also download podcasts. All right. Since legalization, Illinois has had average monthly revenue of $40 million from recreational cannabis sales, and Chicago has 44 cannabis dispensaries. Ben, how many of the 44 dispensaries have you been to? Uh, zero. Okay. They're not helping the ad. All right. Welcome to the Cookie Man down in East St. Louis, man. Oh, sorry. Delivered by Instacart. Chicago is the perfect place for the Illinois Cannabis Convention, December 4th through the 5th. It's brought to you by NECAN. It will showcase over 100 companies, brands, and product lines and feature dozens of expert speakers with practical knowledge and advice for attendees of all levels of experience. All are welcome. Go to NECAN.com, N-E-C-A-N-N.com for information and to register. And today's show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. It is Wednesday, December 1st, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Ken Mahia Beal makes his Ben Jarofsky show return and legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben
2: Jarofsky here. We're calling this uh, Rodney Davis trash talker. And here's why, because Congressman Rodney Davis is doing some trash talking. By the way, every day. Every day, it seems like there's more articles that I want to talk Do oh, what a week for. Because it's just building up rich material. What an, oh, what a week this is going to be. So we got the ward map. We'll be talking about that uh, tomorrow. I'm going to cut it. deal. i want going to bring Adolfo Mondragon to talk about that. Where Lori Lightfoot is saying that she's going to veto any ward map. That preserves Ed Burke, such a bizarre world of Chicago politics, just the notion that there's boundaries you could draw that could preserve the incumbency of a man, Ed Burke, who's under federal indictment on corruption charges. It's like what precincts in the city of Chicago do you have to stitch together to get protect a man who's under federal indictment? That's like, I got to see that map. (laughs) Just the thought of it. Anyway, there's that, and there's the Justice Smollett case, which is going on. Unbelievable, three thousand man hours. Uh, that was the testimony in today's, uh, uh, yesterday's trial. Right then, three thousand man hours. The police dedicated to uh, uncovering whether Justice Smollett made up that attack or not. Man, that's a lot of man hours. That's a lot of importance. Placed on the Jesse Smollett allegation that he was the victim of a race, racially motivated hate attack. There's that. Uh, and then uh, Pat Whalen, good friend of the show, Pat Whalen, a comedian extraordinaire, uh, did a show at the Hideout the other night with uh, Governor Pritzker, with the governor, among other things, uh, listed three of his favorite viewing habits during the pandemic. Lost in America, Young Frankenstein, and The Sopranos. Young Frankenstein, I have to agree with them 100%. Uh, and then this picture in today's Bright One, in this article by Lynn Sweet, at Durban's D.C. event for Lightfoot, Governor, a GOP representative, Rodney Davis, swings by and has bold political predictions. Bold p- political predictions? He did some trash talking, Monroe Anderson. We're going to get this with uh, when Ken Mahia Beal joins us. Ken Mahia Beal, chairman of the DuPage County Democratic Democrats. Got a lot to say about winning, uh, Democrats winning in the midterms, in districts that those suburban districts that the Republicans think are going to be theirs, Republicans to do. Republicans are so filled with trash talk since they won Virginia. They're even trash talking Monroe Anderson. And so now Rodney Davis shows up, shows up at a party thrown by Richard Durbin, a Democrat. You think he would say nice things about Democrats. Uh, but no, when Lynn Sweet asks him about the new map, the congressional map that has Democrats with 14 districts, he'll say. He says, I'll be happy to say very loudly here, we're going to compete in a lot more districts than what the Democrats in the Springfield who drew this map thought he would. And then he said, Mother beep." No, he didn't say Mother beep," but that was kind of like it buried in that a little trash talking. Ronnie Davis shows up. At Rich at Durbin's little party, he has a picture of him is such a classic photo. You got Chewy Garcia, you got Robin Kelly, you got Lori Lightfoot, Tammy Duckworth, Jan Schakowsky, everybody's smiling. There's Rodney Davis, the one Republican in the picture. Back in the old days, Republicans were always getting together with Democrats in Illinois. It was like, you know, that little club they had. Monroe knows that. He was Press Secretary of Gene Sawyer. James Thompson, the governor, was always hanging around the city of Chicago back in those days. Nowadays with MAGA, you don't see a lot of that. And here comes Rodney Davis, Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Mild Manor, Republican congressman. They they drew a district intended to keep him from running a, a from governor. They drew him a district that was favorable. And now he's talking trash. Oh, those Republicans can't say anything nice. You know, it could have said something like, well, you know, it's a party that Durbin's having, and I'm going to stay away from Trash talk. Anyway, Monroe Anderson, pride and joy, Gary, Indiana. He's been known to uh, do a little trash talking from time to time uh, in his life. And Monroe, I'm going to hold off a little bit on the talk about uh, whether the Dems can win these midterms. Uh, they can win in those suburban districts. Uh, you're really going to enjoy talking to Kemahia Beal. He's the chair of the Democratic Party of DuPage County, so he's got a lot to say on that. It's going to be uh, ground zero in that fight in Illinois, as uh, you could figure. Uh, but, uh, I guess there's, where do we start, uh, Monroe? Why don't we just start with, um, the, uh, Supreme court right now, uh, had oral, har- uh, arguments today on, uh, getting rid of, uh, Roe, uh, technically right before them is the Mississippi abortion law, which pr- prohibits all abortions, uh, in the state of Mississippi, what, after, uh, 15 weeks and, uh, essentially an opening window throw out Roe, uh, I got a feeling, to quote uh, the Beatles, that uh, Roe will be officially uh, trounced by the Supreme Court in a ruling that will come out in June. What's your sense of things, Monroe Anderson, having watched uh, or listened to much of today's oral arguments? Go ahead.
3: It may or may not get trounced, but it's definitely going to get a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Robert's. Is trying to figure out how to do it incrementally because he does not, he he, he is very conscious of the reputation of the Roberts court. And so he, he he doesn't want to go down in history as the monster that he's going to go down in history as. We, uh,
2: the monster?
3: You think he go down Roberts in history? Roberts gave us um, – the corporation as citizen.
2: Yes, I see what you're saying. He
3: defanged yeah. the voters' rights uh, bill so that the Republicans can now organize locally to deprive uh, voters of color.
2: Yeah. No, I. my conversations with Jim uh, Coogan over the last few years, uh, our ace attorney, uh, have gone down this road many times. And I view... Uh, I, th- I have a very jaded view of Supreme Court justices. They're essentially political partisans. And uh, so if when I agree with their politics, their partisanship, as in the case of, let's say, uh, uh, Justice Sotomayor or Justice Kagan or Justice Ruth G- Bader Ginsburg, which I, when I agree with it, when she was on the bench, when I agree with them, I applaud them. I go, what brilliant judicial minds we have on the Supreme Court. And when I disagree with their political partisanship, I go, what a bunch of hacks, as in the case like Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas uh, and uh, Samuel uh, Alito. And that's effectively my worldview of it. Monroe, they are political players. And John Roberts, in my humble opinion, is trying to walk a very he's like Rodney Davis. He's trying to he's like an old fashioned Republican, quote unquote, moderate. So, yeah. He said he approved those he only rules.
3: Called balls and strikes.
2: Yeah. Oh come on, man. Anybody <laughs> <laughs> believes that? Yeah. Anybody believes that then you believe Jesse Smollett's tale that he's telling right now uh, uh in Cook County Court. They're not that's like, oh, we're only uh, umpires called balls and strikes. No, they're partisan players. And John Roberts, Monroe, I believe, is trying to walk that. So, yeah, he got rid of uh, campaign re- uh, financing restrictions because that helps Republicans. Duh! All those big right. corporations will be powering money in the Republicans. But he's hesitant. Uh, he was hesitant to get away uh, to to eradicate Obamacare. Why? Because that would hurt Republicans. Yes. You know, that would really set the party
3: back. I I think it's pretty obvious. Go ahead. And if they kill Roe, it's going to kill Republicans. I mean, it's it's, it's bye bye Republican Party because the white women from the suburbs are already um, booging up, ready to go do combat on this one. That's all. Uh, it's it's going to be an ugly situation for the Republicans if they are successful. You know, that's sort of like the dog chasing the car. Well, they caught up with the car. Now, oh. they don't know what to do with
2: it? Uh oh! It was a good idea when they were like twenty feet behind the car. Now that they're on exactly. top of the car, Uh-oh. Exactly.
3: Right, exactly. Now their their people have been their their supporters, their voters have been um, wanting to kill Roe versus Wade since 1973. Mm-hmm. They've succeeded. They they no, they're on the verge. Of, it, it looks like succeeding. And what that's going to do is turn the tables where the Democrats are going to be getting revenge for them killing it in, in, in the voting booths and fundraising for the next generation. In the meantime, the Republicans don't have anything to pursue anymore. I mean, they don't have a singular goal that will unite all of their people, except for hating liberals and and i don't think that's gonna um i think it has limited shelf life
2: mm. well uh we'll have more of that political uh, conversation uh with ken Mejia beal because uh, he will be as i said monroe uh he's the chair of the democratic party in DuPage county and that's where uh the battleground is in illinois and that's really the battleground throughout the country uh, those where the swing votes are, uh, that may or may not determine whether the Republicans take control of the Congress. Looks like they will because of gerrymandering, uh, <laughs> cheating as always. Uh, but uh, going back to uh, Roe, uh, we had an interesting conversation before we went on the air, Monroe and myself, and I said, well, as I counted down, the quote-unquote swing vote on saving Roe, and this is laughable to say this, is Brett Kavanaugh. You know, he he's the swing vote, and I'm like, if he's the swing vote, then that the vote that thing is it's like a hat, an axe being swung down to kill Raw. I cannot imagine Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, you know, if I'm
3: wrong, I'm wrong. When Roe have to come over, eat crow well, the, the theory is that uh-huh. Roberts um, perhaps can influence Kavanaugh, uh, and therefore that that will swing things in, um, in favor of. preserving Rome. (laughs) I I think
2: people who advocate that theory have been smoking some of the good stuff that uh, Dennis was talking about at the start of the show. If anybody has seen impeachment, the Ryan Murphy documentary, I urge everybody to watch it because it's an easy way to get a little history lesson. But one thing he does is go back in time to the 1990s when Ken Starr was mounting the case against Bill Clinton and the, his, one of his top aides, his top hatchet man, was a young baby-faced lawyer named Brett Kavanaugh. And Brett Kavanaugh let it be known where he stood. He's a soldier in the Republican Army to destroy all Democrat initiatives. He made it clear in the during the Ken Starr days. He made it
3: clear he was, during his- he was following his career plan to be where he is now. Yeah. And now that he has a job for life, he may not. He, he probably will, but but I would not bet the the, the family jewels on him sticking with uh, everything the Republicans hoped he would do.
2: Well, I got to tell you this, a, Monroe.
3: Boy, character. But- I,
2: I, I- I, I, as you know, I'm uh, prone to taking a long night, a long walks late at night. And many yeah. times, I call you while I'm on my walks, and we talk even more politics. Uh, and so, sometimes late at night, my mind does plays little tricks on me, and I have like little fantasy games. And one of them is where I imagine a right wing Republican operative getting place on the Supreme Court, and it's like. His whole life or her whole life, he or she's been waiting for this moment when they can reveal their true self. And once in the Supreme Court and protected for life, they start ruling like Sotomayor or Kagan, and they release their inner Democrat. I'm like, whoa, wouldn't that be a great, great moment? Like it'd be a great TV show or a book or f- it's a fantasy. And I'm not sure it's going to Ever happen in real life, but man, that'd be something if Brett Kavanaugh all of a sudden started expressing his inner uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What do you think the odds of that are, uh, Monroe?
3: Um, it's possible. I mean, it's, it's a long shot, but it's uh, who was that Supreme Court justice that I, I think? Um, one. You're probably
2: thinking of David Souter, uh, the no, New Hampshire. I'm going
3: way back. I'm going back to the FDR era. Oh, wow! Oh. I wasn't around then. Where, where, uh, <laughs> I mean- <laughs> no, tried. to think of his name. You're thinking of Earl. Uh,
2: you're thinking Earl. of Earl Warren.
3: Exactly, Earl Warren. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He was a right winger. He was. He was supposed to be. Be. Uh, and he turned out to be one of the mo- mo- most liberal. Supreme Court uh justices
2: yeah, he was uh the Governor of the state of California when they started locking up japanese American citizens for right. no good reason, right. and putting them in uh, camps right. so uh,
1: racial
2: uh reasons, but. yeah <laughs> yeah, well, that's no good reason, but right. yeah, your points uh so
3: bill uh, <laughs> now
2: now here's something you pointed this out to me uh And I've just been shaking my head about it ever since. One of the the right-wing justices, one of the Republican justices, uh, when confronting the argument put forward by uh, defenders of Roe and that argument that this has become, this has been the law of the land uh, since 1973 and you shouldn't overturn precedents. And I've never, ever, ever subscribed to that notion. Uh, That's just some, like that, like this notion that the Constitution is some sacred text that we must always follow. You see me? Wait a minute. You talk about the same Constitution that uh, essentially legalizes slavery? That Constitution? Anyway, some right-wing judge, justice, uh, on, said, uh, oh, Plessy Ferguson. Started talking about Plessy Ferguson. Like, he wouldn't have voted for Plessy Ferguson right. had he been a Supreme Court justice right. back in 1850-whatever. Uh, talk a little bit about that, Monroe. The hypocrisy of the Republican Party is just astounding sometimes.
3: Yeah, well, what he was he was arguing was that uh, Plessy versus Ferguson uh, that it was a bad law, a bad judgment that the court handed down, and it was a good thing when they flipped it in in uh, in, in the fifties or sixties when they finally. Backed off of it, the Supreme Court did, and that they did the right thing in doing that. And he, he, the argument he was making, well, it was good enough for Plessy versus Ferguson. It's good enough for Roe versus Wade because that too was as bad. He didn't. He didn't say. I mean, I'm. paraphrasing here. He, he. The implication was that that too was as bad as Plessy versus Ferguson, and so therefore. It should be flipped, or it could be flipped.
2: Do you uh, remember which judge was saying, which justice was saying Um, that?
3: No, because the 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 problem is that they didn't. I it was radio, it was live. I mean, it was live. It was was live streaming, but you didn't see anybody. You saw pictures of all the justices, and so you frequently didn't know who was talking. But I knew Uh, that I knew that it was a male and I knew that it was um, one, of, one of the right-wing justices, the way he posed the question, but I'm not sure. In fact, the only liberal male on the court now is um, Stevens. The uh, everybody else is. But well, you only got three liberals to begin with, two of them are women, and one of them is Stevens.
2: Not Stevens. Oh, you're and blanking on his not name.
3: Liberal, not Stevens?
2: Uh, no. And I'm He's blanking on his Breyer. name, too. Keep I can see to his face. Byer. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. a uh, Breyer. Stephen Breyer. Breyer. Uh, Breyer. Yeah. yeah.
3: Stephen Breyer. OK.
2: All right. Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, for uh, those uh, who have heard of it but don't remember, it is the one where they essentially said separate but equal is the way to go with our race relations in this country. Uh, and I think they were um, ruling specifically on whether uh, trains could have separate cars uh, for black people. So in
3: other words, yeah. they couldn't but sit where very, the white people he sit. He was very middle class, and he sat in the white section, section on, on purpose, much like Rosa Parks would do 50, 60 years later to challenge the law. Hmm.
2: And the notion that this country, which was dedicated to making sure they did everything they can to give white people an advantage over black people, would ever allow a situation where there was equality through separation. It's so preposterous that you might as well believe that man will suddenly uh, grow wings and fly. That's how ludicrous it was. But you can get, this is my point, Monroe. You can get a judge to rule on any old thing. If that's his, his or her political ideology, they'll stitch together any old cockamamie ar- uh, argument to justify whatever it is that they want to do in the first place. Right. In this case, they wanted to keep segregation. They wanted to keep black people down is what they wanted to do. You know that right. as well as I do. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, you're right, separate but equal was thrown out uh, with Brown versus the Board of Education in the 1950s. Judge Warren, uh, that was his, his court's famous uh, ruling. So, uh, but yeah, I just shake my head, Monroe, when uh, you have representatives of the Republican Party on the Supreme Court right now saying Plessy versus Ferguson was a bad decision. And I know that they are the descendants of the people who ruled for Plessy versus Ferguson. Do you follow what I'm saying? And yeah. voted, would have voted against, if they could, Brown versus the Board of uh, Education. So, hypocrisy in the Republican Party. All right. Well, exactly. uh,
3: you... wait, wait a minute. Let's be fair to Republicans. I, I know this is difficult to do, but let's be fair to them. The Republican Party of the 50s it's not the Republican Party of today, because um, J- uh, Johnson ran out all the Dixiecrats He ran yeah. them over to the Republican Party, and so it has been completely evolved into what it is now.
2: No, you're absolutely correct, and this is—I just—I always smile when I when I read a, a column by a right winger. Uh, follow me on this one, where they'll say, "Well, the." Uh, the people who uh, uh, advocated for uh, Jim Crow in the South and discrimination uh, against black people in the South were Democrats and the Republicans were the party of Lincoln. And I'm like, yes, historically that is accurate. However, what has happened is that just like you said, those old Dixiecrat Democrats became Republicans. As soon as the Democrats began to have they're, you know, come to Jesus moment on the yeah. issue of civil rights. As well, so as
3: that happen. The Voting, right, voting Votings Rights Act. Yeah. They, 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 they turned them into uh, Republicans all of a sudden. Not all. Of a, Actually, see, it was a gradual. Actually, it was fairly gradual over a generation.
2: But see, Monroe, it just underscores the point that I always like to make you can't have legitimate discussion with a Republican because they just bend the truth particularly this current breed of Republicans. How can you have a legitimate... Well,
3: sometimes they bend the truth. Sometimes they just out and out lie, <laughs> depending on, on what it is and how they're feeling that day, which side of the bed they got out of. On. But the thing is, truth is not their friend.
2: By the way... uh before we uh, bring uh, Ken McHalebeal on the show, uh, we'll be talking about two page politics and swing district politics, et cetera, and so forth. You broke something to me that I had missed, and uh, I just have to say I'm a little disappointed in the Sun Times and the Tribune and the New York Times. Somehow or other, either they they didn't run it or uh, it's my fault and I missed it. But uh, this this a little spat between Michael Flynn and Lynn Wood. Uh, the right-wing Republican uh, legal political operative, uh, and there was a phone conversation between Flynn, Lynn. I just love doing the Flynn and Lynn yeah. and Trump, <laughs> <laughs> and and Michael Flynn was being taped. Yeah. They they taped it, and Michael Flynn uh, was saying, Michael Flynn, of course, uh, Trump's former top. Foreign affairs advisor had stepped out really early on in the Trump administration, uh, and eventually was pardoned by Trump. Uh, Anyway, uh, Flynn was essentially saying what that uh, QAnon was a bunch of nutcases, and uh, he was being taped, and they released it to embarrass him. This is how nuts MAGA is right now,
3: because because QAnon has made him their hero. I mean, where I mean, they just they they bow at his feet now. And and so um it's and they're having this internal battle now. The mm-hmm. the the full blown far right wingers. They're having this inter- internal battle uh probably because of the January sixth investigation, but...
2: Well, this, this will be a perfect transition to our conversation uh, with Ken Mejia Beal, the uh, chairman of the Democratic Party, uh, former uh, uh, representative legislative candidate, came very close, very close to defeating Amy Grant uh, for Jeannie Ives' old, old seat and Monroe. That was one of my favorite. If Ken Beal, the pride and joy of the southwest side of Chicago, moved out to DuPage County had he defeated genie eyes handpicked successor i would have had a parade through the city of chicago <laughs> but uh and, and and ken by the way welcome back to the show cotter Thank it's you. been a while since you've been on uh, that good looking man up in the upper corner is the distinguished journalist monroe anderson Hello, monroe. Uh, <laughs> and ken i gotta tell you everyone all the quote-unquote experts before we get into the current politics, all the, the the experts, and I will not name names, say, why are you having Ken Beal on your show? He can't win. And I'll be like, <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> well, wow. I, I, mean, I can't even <laughs> deal with that. You, you know what I'm saying? I can't the logic. You, you know what I mean? It's like, well, even if he can't win, don't you think it's good to preoccupy the Republicans on their home turf? And, and yes, That is what you call a self-fulfilling prophecy, Ken. If you don't give the man any credit or any time or any space or any attention, yeah, he won't win.
1: You know what's funny about that, uh, really quickly, is... When I got into the race, a lot of people expected that I would lose by anywhere between 16,000 and 24,000 votes um, as a first-time candidate. And, you know, I lost by 2,000, and, you know, we came really close, uh, much closer than any other Democrat has come in a long time, which – you know, I chalked that up to a lot of the, the people saying that I had no chance in hell of winning. So I said, all right, <laughs> let's get out here and, and win. And, you know, even though I didn't win, um, this was the first time in, the, in this district that climate change was discussed. Social justice was discussed, uh, police reform, uh uh wage gap inequality so yes my name did not win on election night but the ideas that i brought to the table and champion for did and that's really more important than me myself winning any election
2: all right uh well put and uh so let's uh not just look behind let's look uh forward and uh since you uh your candidacy you've become a chairman of the dupage democratic party is that correct
1: that is correct.
2: That is correct, Senator. I just wanted to
1: <laughs> pretend this
2: was a Senate hearing. Is that correct? Uh, so, talk a little bit about that. What's what's this? How does one go about getting elected uh, chair of the Democratic Party? Go ahead.
1: You know, uh, our chair uh, she uh, stepped down um, due to personal issues and we had a conversation and she said, Ken, I think you'd be great. And I said, absolutely not. There's no way on God's green earth and running to be chair of this party. Um, and then I got calls from other democratic elected officials, our congressmen, our township chairs. And they say, Ken, you are the person we need right now. You're the person that the party needs right now. Uh, you're young. You reflect a demographic of DuPage that's been ignored. And I, I thought about it and something I've tried to do in my entire political career is put the party a little bit ahead of, of myself and my wants and my needs. So I thought about it and I said, okay, you know what, I can do this and, and it's time for new a new kind of leadership. So I ran and I won um, by a Pretty nice margin, 60 to 40. So I've been the chair for about two and a half weeks now, three weeks.
2: I guess I have to call you chair, uh, Chairman <laughs> Ken. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was that recent. I thought it was a little longer ago. Man, I, I've lost all track of time.
1: Actually, it's been on. a month. So I started November 1st. I just okay. realized today is December 1st. Yeah, so 30 days. <laughs> uh, all right.
2: So. Uh, there's a lot I want to ask about. You said you reflect a demographic of DuPage that's been ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, what demographic are you alluding to that's been ignored in DuPage County?
1: Sure. So uh, a lot of our voters that are under 50 are, are not represented in um, in our volunteer base not represented a lot of black and brown folks are not represented a lot of transports. I'm a transport. Um, I'm not a lifelong DuPage resident. I'm originally from the South side of Chicago. So a lot of, um, a lot of our growing demographic are folks that are from the city of Chicago. And so these are all demographics that we've ignored, um, traditionally. So that's a, that's kind of what I bring to the table is I I get, Black and brown issues. I understand what it's like to want to be politically active and under the age of fifty. And I'm also a transport, so I get I get it. Tra-
2: transport. I never thought about it. Transplant. That, I meant
1: transplant. Um, transplant. Yeah. Transplant,
2: yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, why, why
1: did you transplant, Kid? Sure. So yeah,
2: go ahead. Great question. uh
1: Thanks for the question, Monroe. About well now 11 years ago i was uh commuting from the city to the suburbs for work Uh, my job moved from westchester to downers grove which pushed me which pushed my commute time up so i moved uh to naperville because uh the one and a half hour commute from the city to uh downers grove was a lot (laughs) so i moved
2: (laughs) and uh was it any adjustment yeah. Uh, moving out there a guy a who grew up on the southwest side of chicago i bowen bogan high did you go to bogan i'm trying no, to remember John F kennedy going. oh you went to kennedy all right i went to kennedy side. Kennedy High. <laughs> how Excuse dare me. you ben i know. I, I, <laughs> I apologize to everybody from kennedy and bogan i think i offended both bases <laughs> uh, with that one <laughs> uh man kennedy high back in the 70s well, that was that was some tough racial issues in Kennedy High back in the seventies. Anyway, let's look forward, not back. Um, so was it was it an adjustment moving to to Page County?
1: Absolutely. Uh, the first big adjustment, you know, is just going out into the world and not seeing yourself represented every day. Being a lifelong Chicagoan, it was really the first time in my life that you I would literally go days just not seeing other people of color uh, <laughs> uh, at the grocery store or, or just around. So that was number one. Number two, being used to everything being 24 hours and moving to the suburbs and realizing that everything stops at 9 p.m. Uh, well, 11 years ago, everything stopped at 9 p.m. So that was a huge adjustment. I was the kind of person that would order a pizza at 2 in the morning. Um, I was up playing video games. So it was a it was a huge, huge adjustment to move you know, from city living to suburban living. But I'll tell you, I would not change it for the world now. <laughs>
3: well, well, besides God. being chairman, why not?
1: Um, You know, I like the pace. I like the pace now. I've gotten used to the pace. Um, and now it's funny, you know, when I go to visit my dad, who still lives um, on the south side, is, you know, there's the traffic and there's the congestion and there's all the people and it's like, man, I can't wait to get back home, <laughs> where I don't have to look for parking.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, so let's start uh, with the the hard question, and um, we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air. Uh, no sooner you were you elected uh, chair of the DuPage Democratic Party than you had a deal uh, with a contentious, controversial issue, uh, where a member of your party, Mary Leminski, set out a uh, what was it, a tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, was kind of snarky dealing with the, um, the incident in Waukesha where a deranged man drove his car uh, into a Thanksgiving parade. Yes. Uh, and um, immediately uh, you and the Democrats severed connections uh, with her over that. Talk a little bit about uh, why you did what you did and take it away.
1: Sure. So the one criticism I get all the time uh, well, I've gotten over the last, week or so is the Republican party. They do all these horrible things and they're never called out for it. And why are you taking the stance? And my, as chair of the party and also as a Democrat, I don't look to the Republicans for leadership. I don't look to the Republicans to figure out what the right thing to do is. If I look to the Republican party to determine what was right, um, I would be in jeopardy to be honest with you. Um, so I did what I think the right thing to do is, and the right thing to do is when someone who is not just a part of the organization, a paid member of the organization, who is paid for their knowledge on social media, um, has that kind of faux pas. You have to act quickly. Um, so it was not a personal thing. In any kind of organization, um, the same thing would have happened, except in the Republican Party. But you no, know, as Democrats, no, we have to do the right thing. And I believe what I, I did was right, and I believe I did uphold the values of this party.
2: Uh, and to your point And by the way you stole my thunder Because that was going to be my th- follow up question what I'm here, here for Ben <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He knew where I was going Because I was one of those guys That criticizes Dems <laughs> We'll get into it right now uh, yeah. So I I, And Monroe has heard this a million times uh, Republicans Play the game to win They play with their knives out They play with the They, they play dirty they're mean. They're they lie. They cheat. I call and them back Democrats.
3: Shooters. What's that? I said I call them backshooters.
2: They're backshooters. Yeah. Uh, and Democrats sort of subscribe in general to uh, the rules as laid out by uh, Michelle Obama in the 2016 uh, campaign, which he gave that famous speech where he said, "When the when they go low, we go high." Mm-hmm. And so you clearly uh, were following that model. Do no. you think? But I want to be
1: clear, because I do not agree with that motto. I think when when they go low, we need to go lower and and get them in the kneecaps. The (laughs) difference is, and I want to be clear, is this is not about someone from another party doing an egregious act. This is someone from within who has made, um, you know, questionable comments. And there at the time, there were children in the hospital. There were elderly folks in the hospital. It was a tragic event. So it's not politically when they go low we go high or whatever it's the right thing to do as the leader of an organization
2: uh fair enough that's uh, i can't argue with anything you just said there i would love to argue with you ken but that, on that point i think you're I, you're right there's, there's you
1: know right. you know ben i i've listened to you for years i i, I got this down pat now <laughs>
2: <laughs> no but there is a right way and a wrong way to do something to go through life yes. et cetera, and so forth and uh i do believe I personally stay away from that kind of snarkiness. Personally, me and I'm always uh, Mister Sarcasm, jaded, cynical observer. But there's some things where I just I just stay away from because I do believe there's a maybe it's because um, I'm older. I don't know, Monroe, but like there's certain things when people pass, you don't say bad things about them. And Republicans <laughs> don't play that game. They'll say nasty things about you the day you die. And, and this brings me to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monroe and I were going to talk about this so We might as well bring it up with you Because uh, you have to uh, oversee the strategy To elect Democrats in DuPage County uh, Which as I pointed out Is is our equivalent, our Illinois swing area So it could go Republican, go Democrat uh, And there's areas like that Throughout the country Like in Wisconsin and uh, Virginia et cetera, and so forth That uh, will determine whether the Democrats Control the House or the Democrats Control the Senate Uh, And so I have to ask you this. When you see things like um, uh, Lauren uh, Boebert, the congresswoman uh, from Congress, uh, going after uh, Ilhan Omar and just not backing down and not getting any kind of not being chastised by anybody in the Republican Party of significance. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you see Paul Gosar, the uh, Republican congressman from uh, Arizona, uh, make statements on Twitter that talk about killing AOC, that uh, suggests that he would have killed AOC, and then, except for Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, no Republicans vote to censure him. Uh, what do you think, first of all, morally, uh, and then politically? We'll start with the moral issue. Just, Do you think that's
1: acceptable political behavior for no. elected officials? No, not at all. I, I think that... No one, especially our elected officials, should not be uh, threatening to kill people in, in the terms of uh, Lauren. Um, what she said is, is not only Islamophobic, number one, it is incredibly disgusting because she framed it as a joke. And and that makes it worse. Um, so morally is reprehensible is not appropriate behavior. Um nor should we as a country sit back and even debate whether it's okay or not okay. It's inappropriate. Morally. All right. And well,
3: speaking, uh, speaking morally, you have the Republicans right now, the, the uh, protesting, um, abortion, mm-hmm. uh, they, and, and they're using, they're, they're using, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson and Dred Scott versus Sanford, as examples on why um, uh, Roe versus Wade should be on the the uh, trash heap of bad uh, Supreme Court judgments. And in the meantime okay, so they're they're for life in the womb. But in the meantime, we lose a thousand Americans. To gun, a uh, gun violence mm. uh, every um, couple uh, every every couple of weeks or so, and that doesn't seem to concern them at all. Those deaths.
1: Well, there's, I mean, oh, I think, yeah. I think yeah. it's important to note that <clears throat> the Republican Party is not the pro-life party; they're the pro-birth party, and there's a difference between. Yeah forcing people to give birth and actually upholding and trying to enrich the lives of, of people pro-life. Right. So there's, there's a difference there. And I think, especially in today's climate, we need to make that distinction very clear. Well, right.
2: uh, and Monroe, to your point, uh, I, I was reading a story. Uh, oh my goodness, Ken, this is so this is how twisted the Republican Party is uh, these days. So you got lawyers in the state of Mississippi. Right now, the case uh, before the Supreme Court is a Mississippi case uh, outlawing abortion after, what is it, 15 weeks? I think it is. Uh, and so they're trying to make the argument that there's no legal reason or there's just no practical reason why a role would protect the rights of women to uh, have an abortion and control their bodies. And they're saying uh, the reality of uh, the economics of the situation is that having a baby is totally manageable in your career. This is this is an argument that they're advancing. It's part of their argument. So I'm reading this argument and they go we have, for instance, a child care service uh, for people. We have a maternity leave for people. And I'm like, you guys are so right. freaking hypocritical. It's exactly. like you have resisted any effort whatsoever. And I hope to page Democrat, I hope to page swing voters are listen to this, Ken Beale. because you have <laughs> resisted any effort whatsoever to fortify child care programs, paternity leave programs. You make fun. Didn't they make fun of Pete Buttigieg when he took a paternity leave? And now you're yes. arguing? You got, you got the gall to go before the Supremes and argue? Whoa. All those family leave programs that we resisted for so many years that passed over our no votes uh, make uh, abortion rights obsolete. Ken Beale, the staggering hypocrisy of the Republicans sometimes is too much for me to take. Take it away.
1: Well, I I just want to point out, let's say, for example, we lived in a country where child care was 100% absolutely categorically free. And we lived in a country where we had... uh, uh, Medicare for all and healthcare was free, okay, for everybody. All things considered, I still think it is absolutely atrocious to tell someone that they have to have a child for the next, for the rest of their lives. Well, let's say 18 years. It doesn't matter if you have childcare, and some people don't want to have children and 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 i think you know and it's it's important for me as a man to say this because there are so often all these stories that that women have to tell about well i had to have an abortion because of this horrible situation or this horrible situation as a man i am saying your situation i don't give a damn about it abortion is the right uh, and and should be between a woman and her doctor Period. I I don't care about the child care. I don't care about the the, I I just don't. It's not important. It's not relevant. If a woman decides that she would like to terminate a pregnancy, that is her business with her and her uh, doctor, period.
3: And and, well, one of the things the Republicans are arguing is that uh, if you can use a woman can use birth control, she doesn't want to have a, a kid. And so uh, if, if she really doesn't want to have one, that's what she sh- should be doing. Well, as it turns out, uh, 10% of the birth control methods we have uh, fail. Well, if, if a woman didn't want to have a child and she was in that 10% group, then she has a booby prize. And, uh, you know, and, and so, therefore, she should be able to correct something that she didn't intend to do and was responsible you know she used the birth control but the birth control failed for one reason or another yeah
2: so ken when you hear uh us have this conversation uh we'll come back to some a point that uh, monroe was making before uh, you came on the air and get your response to it sure. uh, monroe was predicting that uh Issues like abortion rights would be decisive political issues uh, in areas like DuPage County and that uh, uh, swing voters, particularly uh, white women uh, from the suburbs, would uh, go to the Democrats on this issue. And uh, as the chair of the DuPage uh, Party uh, Democrats, uh, do you agree with Monroe on that point?
1: I Um, sadly agree, and the reason I say sadly agree is, yes, I do think it'll drive people to the polls. I wish that the rights of women and their health care was not a pawn in getting people to the poll or not, but yeah, it it is true. It will drive out folks to the polls. Now, you say
2: this as a person, and you got to really appreciate this guy right here. Again, he ran... For state rep in a district that had been represented by Jeannie Ives. And Jeannie Ives was the most extreme anti-abortion legisl- Well, I don't know if she was the most among the most yeah. extreme anti-abortion legislators uh, in the state house for years. In fact she ran against Bruce Rauner uh, particularly because he, she felt that Bruce Rauner had betrayed uh, the anti-abortion uh, zealots uh, in the state of Illinois. So when you went Ken from door to door mm-hmm. I know you did extensive door knocking when you were running for state rep against yes. Uh when you went from door to door, what was the response of people that you met and talked to on this issue?
1: Depends depends on the, the person, um, you know, to some people that had researched me. I'm, I'm very pro-choice. Uh, that's not a secret. I'm, I'm very, very pro-choice. I'm a member of Men for Choice. I do a lot of work with Planned Parenthood. So most people pretty much had my number before I even got to their door. But, yeah, I, I had a few people that were— angry like um as soon as they opened the door and they saw my face they were angry and and you know you get accused of uh perpetuating um, um, you know child murder which you know that was the one thing that bothered me so much is folks saying well child you shouldn't be able to kill your baby and it's like well yeah because we have laws against that no one is killing babies like that that does not happen i think as democrats we need to what we do sometimes is we try to rationalize words, and I refuse to do that. You tell me I'm killing babies and it should be illegal. I'm going to remind you that it is illegal and no one's killing babies. We, we have to use our words the right way as, a, as the Democratic Party. And in terms of abortion, we have to own it. Is we have to call it what is a medical procedure. It is a personal decision made between a woman and her doctor. Period, but yeah, people get uh, angry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I, yeah. I assume again. You again, you ran a genie Ives district, uh, and you got forty eight percent of the vote. I just want to point right. that out. That's pretty, <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, all right, uh, did not go well for the Democrats in the state of Virginia. Let's just put it there and some other uh, districts throughout the country uh, in uh, the uh, last election. And Monroe and I and many of my other guests have been talking about this. Uh, So, Ken, Mm -hmm. your thoughts uh, on what went down uh, on the most recent uh, uh, election day, which I've lost track of time, early November. Go ahead.
1: Sure, let's talk about it. But I want to pivot really quickly and just say this. When we talk about Virginia, if you take Virginia out of it, you know, Democrats did really well on election night everywhere except Virginia. So now, now that we've gotten that out the way, let's talk about Virginia. Uh, the the uh, person who was running in Virginia did not communicate well and effectively. Uh, I remember at one point he said, and it was probably a soundbite, something to the effect of parents should not have a say in their children's curriculum. Parents don't like to hear that. It's not the way you message. So that's number one. The messaging was off there. Number two, Virginia has a huge uh, black voter turnout. When you look at the ballots in Virginia during the midterm, what you didn't see is a lot of black candidates. You just didn't see it. Um, And and we're getting to a place in society where black voters are tired of holding the Democratic Party on its back without getting any fruits. You know, when we talked about social justice um, reform, what we got is we got Netflix pulling like TV shows. I remember at one point an episode of, of the Golden Girls was taken down because they were wearing like. I don't know, blackface or face mask. I don't know. My point is, what we didn't see while all of this uh, political stancing was going on, real social justice reform did not happen. Real work did not happen. In Illinois, we did a kick-ass job at that, but everywhere else, we did not. Black voters want to see themselves represented because we've come to understand that there are certain issues that we kind of got to be at the table for. So, Virginia did a bad job of actually presenting black voters with black candidates on top of having a governor who put his foot in his mouth a lot. Mm.
2: Uh, and also was a Clinton. Uh, I want to point out Terry McCall was a Clinton aide. Monroe, you know where I'm going with this.
3: Uh, right now, <laughs> I, I can't imagine. <laughs> uh,
2: I I have long. I'd love to get Monroe's response to this one and yours too as well, Ken. Uh, it's becoming more and more obvious to me, and I just wrote about this. It's fresh in my mind. because I watched Ryan Murphy's impeachment. I think I'm the only one in person in the city of Chicago who watched it. It's a great. TV show. I urge everybody to watch. It's an easy way to get a history lesson what went down in the '90s, Uh, and um, Bill Clinton is just such a drag on the Democratic Party, and he has squandered all his political capital uh he, he is made a mockery of everything the democrats are supposed to stand for now the stories are coming out that he and donnie trump i will not forget donald trump's presence uh, monroe uh on jeffrey epstein's airplane it's uh coming out uh in the maxwell trial and i just feel as though terry mccullough's connection to bill clinton uh, hurt the democrats in virginia i'm going to go to monroe first because i know he's ready to come at me hard and then Ken your thoughts go ahead Monroe
3: yeah not hard but uh, I agree with Ken that uh, the Democrat in Virginia ran a lousy 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 campaign if you'd had a sharper campaigner then that wouldn't have happened you know that statement about um, you shouldn't let let parents uh, decide what 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 their education's going to be? That was a that was a throat slitter in and of itself. I mean, and uh, and he he I mean he made a, he made a lot of more mistakes. He just was not a good candidate.
2: All right, so you're letting Clinton off the hook on that one. No, Clinton,
3: uh, you know, I mean Clinton has his Clinton can be an albatross. He was he was an albatross around his wife's neck. So I mean, he can, he can, he can definitely be an albatross. I'm not saying anything about that, you know. And I'm not. For for me, Bill Clinton was always the lesser of two evils in the in the campaigns. But he was that, and so I was appreciative that he was available because the Democrats could have come up with somebody worse, maybe not much worse, but worse.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I I must concede every time, Monroe, to your point, uh, I was faced with the choice of voting for Bill Clinton or a Republican. I voted for Bill Clinton. So, yes, he was uh, my lesser of two evils, too. Uh, uh, Ken, your thoughts on uh, Bill Clinton's role uh, with the Democratic Party? And uh, do you think he's an albatross, or do you think uh, people don't even pay attention to him anymore? Go ahead.
1: Well, I think certain people do, certain people don't. Uh, for me personally, when Bill Clinton – uh, President Clinton was elected, I, I think I was in preschool the first time. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love doing that. I knew that was coming. No, no, no. It seems like
3: yesterday.
1: No, all jokes aside, I think uh, I think he was elected in 1992, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so yes. I was graduating kindergarten (laughs) so so the clinton legacy or whatever we're going to call it when i hear people say oh they're attached to clint it it, doesn't it's not a negative or positive for me Mm. um it's kind of you know i want to be clear he he's been accused of doing some really bad stuff um i think the three strikes uh rule that he put in was incredibly detrimental to black and brown communities i think that a lot of his policies were systemically racist um so putting that all out there though i think in the big scheme of presidents here i can look at most presidents before president clinton and pick out the same characteristics in them so I don't think Clinton had anything to do with the loss in Virginia. I think having a bad candidate with a a bad infrastructure had to do with it.
2: All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's, uh, Let's talk about the upcoming elections and uh, get your thoughts on this. We're probably going to have you back on to talk about them because it's just the very, bare, bare beginning of it all. But I began the show by having a little fun uh, with a story that was in the Sun-Times today. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Ken or Monroe, uh, but uh, it's a story. Lynn Sweet wrote it, the columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, about uh, Senator Durbin's uh, It was a get-together in Senator Durbin's uh, Washington, D.C., Capitol office, and all the prominent Democrats from uh, Illinois are there. Tammy Duckworth is there. Jan Schakowsky is there. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot happen to be in Washington. She, uh, is in this, I'm looking at this picture. Everybody's smiling. Uh, mm-hmm. Robin Kelly, Congresswoman, Robin Kelly is there. Uh, Congressman Danny, uh, K Davis is there. Uh, and, uh, representative Jesus Chuy Garcia is there. Uh, they're all smiling. And in that picture uh, is, uh, representative Rodney Davis, Republican. Uh, and, um, so, Lin's, you know, once we had a little fun with that, uh, Rodney Davis, he's already announced. I guess he's going to hang out with Democrats a little bit because he's announced he's not going to be running against Pritzker. And he's going to take the safe seat that the Democrats designed for him uh, to keep him from running uh, against uh, Pritzker. But then he did some trash talking, Ken. Like it was supposed to be this nice. Let's get together with the <laughs> typical Republican. So he's like, yeah, well, I'm not conceding anything in these. Uh, November election. I think he may have uh, mentioned your name, Ken, and said some dog things about it. Just kidding. He didn't say anything about you.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, <laughs> it's,
2: so uh, it's the map is set up for Dems to win 14 seats. All right, The congressional map is set up for Dems to win 14 out of 17 seats. What's your early sense of how those elections are going to go down? Ken Beal.
1: Um, I am... I'm hopeful and optimistic, which are two separate things. I think that um I think we'll be okay. But I'm not a Democrat that's gonna be jumping up and down and celebrating before that day comes. I think we've learned a lot. And this is from someone who hosted the celebratory um the celebratory election night of, of President Hillary Clinton back in the day, and who went all out Yeah. So you don't want to celebrate too early. It doesn't end well. So I think the way we, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, yeah, we can talk about the maps D plus or R plus, but it's really about the people, the message and the person running there. So I am hopeful that the candidates that are running in these districts are going to represent their districts. They're going to knock it out of the park and they're going to do a great job, but I'm not going to just sit back and take it for granted that Democrats are just going to win because, the way a map is drawn. I don't think it works that way all the time.
2: All right. To that point, uh, two Democrats uh, there, uh, neither of whom are in this picture. I might want to point out, I guess they didn't get invited. They let Davis come to Durbin's party, but they didn't let Sean Cass and Marie Newman come, or maybe they were late. Who knows? Uh, maybe they left early. I don't know, but they're not in the picture. Uh, and this is a showdown that it'll take place. A good chunk of it will be uh, DuPage County. So it's your neck of the woods. Uh, two incumbents Monroe, this is never good for the party as you know Uh, in this case the Democratic Party the Democratic voters uh, are going to have to decide whether they're going to go with Congresswoman Marie Newman or Congressman Sean Kasten to be their representative uh, uh, in the the general election Uh, Ken, what's the Democratic Party of DuPage going to do about this?
1: Nothing. Uh, we are staying out of that race. Um, we are going to let the voters decide. Um, we're going to let the voters decide that race. Um, on, a, on a personal note, I've, I've been, and when I don't use the term friend lightly. I'm not someone that says everybody's my friend. Um, I've been friends with both of these folks since before they got elected. Um, I talk to them often. Uh, personally, casually, and they're both incredible people that have been super supportive of me throughout my political career. Uh, They both endorsed me when I ran for state rep. They both endorsed me when I ran for chair of the Democratic Party of DuPage. I want the voters to really just get out there and vote for who they think would serve their uh community better but either way it goes um they're both wonderful congressional leaders and i appreciate and at some level admire and respect both of them equally
2: Uh, all right I had a feeling you were going to answer the question that way. Um, And I don't blame you for doing that because there's nothing to gain from you sticking your neck in the middle of that one. That's for certain. Uh, Monroe, we're going to close this down by me asking you this question. I should have asked it earlier before Ken came on. Maybe Ken has some thoughts on this as well. I don't know how much of a deep dive he does into uh, national politics. Uh, But Mark Meadows, former chief of staff to uh, Donald Trump, it seems as though It seems, Monroe, he may be cooperating with the congressional investigators uh, who are looking into the January 6th insurrection. Hello! Remember that one, ladies and gentlemen? DuPage County voters, remember that one? Uh, Where MAGA stormed the Capitol, threatened to hang Mike Pence uh, and Nancy Pelosi because they wanted to take an election in which voters elected Joe Biden and they wanted to turn over to Donald Trump. Uh, Monroe, so do you think... Mark Meadows is for real? These stories are for real that he is going to cooperate with the Democrats or is he just playing some kind of uh, little game to try to stretch things out a little bit, keep the clock running in the hopes that the Republicans triumph in November and then that ends this congressional investigation. Your thoughts, Monroe Anderson.
3: Oh, he's he, he's playing he he's playing games. And and he has a he has a book out. And so he's trying to get book sales. Uh But he also is very dedicated to Trump. And so when it goes down to the the truth-telling time, uh, he's going to be lying or not saying anything at all. But he's given them enough because of Bannon, Steve Bannon, got indicted. And he doesn't want to get indicted right away. All the Republicans in, in those key positions Mm-hmm. Are playing for time. What they're trying to do is drag this out uh, because a lot of them had something to do with the January 6th insurrection, and so they don't want it, the truth to come out. Yeah. So they're trying to drag it all out long enough to where they, when they, if if they win the house, they, they're they're certain they're going to win the house. I'm not certain, but when they win the house, then they can kill it all. Yes, just, no, that's what. And yeah. that's the plan. I mean, yes, it is obvious. I mean, they they aren't even subtle about it.
2: Yeah, no, that is ob- the obvious plan, and they're very confident that they're going to win the house because of gerrymandering. Right. The, th- the very thing we uh, and history, uh, and history, I history.
3: Mean, we'll be, but you know, but history is not law, so that's not a guarantee on that part. Well, the, the gerrymandering, th- if if the if the Supreme Court kills Roe then they're going to have a whole nother problem they're going to yeah. have
2: to deal with. Uh, that's a valid point. And the, so what Monroe's getting at is that historically, uh, Ken be and you know this because you follow this stuff, historically the party that's in the White House uh, loses in the midterms. It's just like mm-hmm. uh, the opposition has the most incentive to show out. This is really the true with Democrats. Uh, they get a little lazy and apathetic, and uh, they also get a little disappointed with their uh, leaders. And, and Ken, you were getting at this uh, when you were talking about black voters, because uh, the party, they get it, they don't f- come through on their promises, let's put it that way. So those things together add up to uh, doom for the party in power. But in a di- when you add to that gerrymandering, gerrymandering is where you tilt the draw the maps intentionally to favor one party over the other. And Republicans have been doing that throughout the country. Well, and then they, they cry are, like babies in "Like, Go ahead, Monroe.
3: Well, the, the other thing is Republicans have a slow motion coup going on right now throughout all the, the, the key states where what they're doing is running candidates who are going to rig the election in their favor. Or when they, when the Republicans re- rig the elections, they'll have candidates in their who won't expose the rigging? So they—they're doing that. I mean, they—they're they, playing three-dimensional
1: chess right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Ken, is that uh, how
1: you see it? Absolutely, hundred percent. Republicans are always good at playing the long game. They play the long game, um, even when you take a look at um, President Nixon's path to entrench Southern voters uh, with the the Christian right. That was done many decades ago and is still in place. Republicans are good at the long game. Democrats are reactive. We see something we don't like and we react. Um, And we also have a tendency to uh, become incredibly disappointed quickly. Uh, We give up hope very quickly. and, And so that's a perfect storm for why... I think Republicans and their long game approach is, I wish Democrats could put aside our own stuff for a little bit so we can focus <laughs> on big picture and move ahead. I think I think sometimes we as Democrats, we want what we want without any thought about what our, our fellow Democrats want, <laughs> and we just go for it. So yeah, we have to do better. All right. Uh, I, I,
3: like, I like this, um, this, this, this line that uh, uh, Democrats fall in love, mm-hmm. Republicans fall in line. Correct. <laughs> Correct.
2: Well, the line that they're falling in, and we'll be having this conversation, Ken and Monroe, uh, in the coming months, the line that they're falling in is an extreme, uh, hardcore MAGA line uh, that essentially either defends the insurrectionists or just dismisses them. That defends congressmen who uh, threaten to kill other congressmen, and they say, "Oh, it was just a joke." Uh, that defends congresswomen who uh, have show uh, extreme like ethnic and uh, religious uh, prejudice and bigotry. It's a uh, and then hardcore opposition to abortion, as we talked about earlier, That's the line that they're falling into. Mm-hmm. And I just can't believe. And we haven't even talked about COVID. Oh, my goodness, Ken. <laughs> Monroe, we, Monroe and I usually talk COVID. We haven't even got into that. They're falling oh, into the. Uh, and,
3: and the uh, Omicron is here now. Yes, California. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, I missed that news while I was preparing yeah, no, I did the show.
3: Oh, shit.
2: <laughs> More just difficult. happened um yeah. so anyway that's a that's when you see that kind of hard core line ken i don't know if that's going to work out well for republicans uh, in areas like dupage your thoughts
1: it might i, I mean it's, it's you have to remember with republicans it's not about the message it's about the messenger um that's where once again democrats and republicans are totally different democrats need to be entertained like we have to juggle we have to razzle dazzle the voter republicans just need you to say what they need you to say um you know and that's where i i'm i'm always kind of hard on democrats because there have been so many times I've been in rooms where I'm listening to a congressman or a state rep talk about something really, really important, and they're hitting all the right marks. And you'll hear people say, wow, this is boring, or this person is entertaining, or they're so dry. I'm sorry. This isn't a night at the Copacabana. This is politics. <laughs> it's not supposed to be the most entertaining 10 to 15 minutes of your life. I think Democrats have to get over the fact that we need to be entertained all the time. Um, you know, something – within our democratic party, especially in DuPage where we're really just trying to build the party. I hear folks all the time say, you know what we need to do, Ken, we need to low the primaries. We need more exciting primaries. We have to get like all these people to run against each other to make it exciting. And I look at them and I think, what the hell's wrong with you? Like if we have a person that needs to be primary, by all means, let's do it. But to primary, And DuPage, someone who's doing a good job, make them utilize their resources so they will lose against the Republican for your entertainment. Let me give you a coupon to Netflix. Let me take (laughs) you to a movie theater. If you are looking to politics to entertain you. You have to evaluate your life. I don't need my I don't need my elected officials to entertain me. I need them to do right by me. I need them to make sure that I have a little money in the bank, that I have a safe climate, that I have safe streets to live on. That's what I look to my legislators to do. So the Democrats have to do better at that
2: all right. Very good. Good riff to close the show. Appreciate it, Ken. Then I, uh, I got a big kick out of you citing the Copacabana, uh, which was out of business before we were born. So I don't know how you even know about the Copacabana.
1: Listen, uh, Lola's a friend of
2: mine. <laughs> oh, okay. Mary <laughs> Manilow song. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. I want to thank, uh, Kimmy, from, uh, DuPage County very much, uh, for stopping by and always, uh, thank Monroe Anderson, legendary Chicago journalist. Uh, he's going to, uh, Um, I've given him an assignment. Uh, He's been required to finish watching the Netflix documentary. Ken talked about entertaining yourself with Netflix. Who killed Malcolm X? I want to have a deeper dive conversation with you on that one, Monroe, uh, next week. Fascinating documentary. I urge everybody to check it out. Explores a lot. A lot of facts about American history that people would rather just Ignore. Let's just put it that way. And really provocative stuff uh, who killed Malcolm X. So thank you very much, Monroe. Thank you very much, Ken. And of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joe Walton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And back home in Alton, as Monroe and Ken will tell you, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
3: Bye. Thank
1: you for having me.